Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offer to everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real-life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetal Ajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. Today, I'm excited to welcome Angel Myers to the podcast. Angel Myers is a licensed marriage and family therapist with over 15 years of experience. She specializes in betrayal recovery, understanding the unique challenges that can arise from financial, emotional, and physical infidelity. Each step in her process while working with clients is geared towards meeting their unique needs so that she provides specialized help with proven practices for your relationship and family. Her mission is to help couples and families enhance the quality of their relationships. Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Angel. Thank you, Dr. Ajmani. I'm excited to be here and talk to your listeners today. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited to just dive right in. Relationships are such a big part of our lives. And so I'm excited to explore the role of relationships and self-care. So first, I would love to ask you, what role does practicing self-care have in maintaining healthy, nurturing relationships? There's an important role in practicing self-care. In relationships, you have the need and relationship to self-regulate and co-regulate in moments of distress. And so I don't know if it's helpful to maybe kind of back up a little bit and talk a little bit about what that looks like in terms of self-regulation and co-regulation and how that shows up in the area of self-care. Absolutely. I think that would be really helpful. Okay, so I like the World Health Organization uh, definition of self-care, and that is it's the ability to intervene and maintain one's own physical and emotional health. And I'd like to add a spiritual aspect, and that's for some listeners. For some, that part may not resonate, but for others, that's an important component to caring for yourself. So physically, that might literally is physically your body emotionally, your emotions, your mood, and then the spiritual component, depending on where you are in your faith journey, that all of these aspects really make up one's need to manage, maintain, and in areas improve their need to care during moments of distress. Now, going back to that, you can do so with your own individual self-regulatory interventions and co-regulation. Now, the really neat thing about, and I come from a systems perspective. So at my practice, I utilize emotionally focused therapy, evidence-based approach to couples counseling. It's based on attachment theory. Most practice couples counseling or family counseling are coming from a systems perspective. Many, I'll say that. And so from a systems standpoint, the individual does not operate in a vacuum. And so their emotions and behaviors, they are connected 
there's this interrelatedness between you know, the relationship with yourself and the relationship you have with others. In this case, we're talking about romantic relationships, but it could be other familiar relationships. It could be friendships, other types of relationships. And so being able to identify in those moments where you, there's a need to manage moments of distress in your own intra-psychic experience versus moments of distress because of the interpersonal relationship and experience in with your, in this case, again, romantic partner is important because it's going to help guide you as to what direction you're going to go in regulating. And again, whether that is a self-regulatory intervention or co-regulatory. So with self-regulation, the important thing is to have the self-awareness. So for instance, if you are upset, uh, and I like to use emotions, a lot of times we use emotional language, but they may be absent of the actual emotion. So you're upset, but let's just say maybe you're sad or you're angry or you're anxious. There's something called emotional contagion, which is, I think, really neat. There's all kinds of research out there on this. Basically, emotional contagion essentially says that social interactions can trigger emotional contagion. So if I'm sad and I show up into the relationship where because of my own individual things that are happening, my own anxiety, my own, my own fears, that can affect from a system standpoint, that can affect the broader relationship diet, the, the dynamic, the relationship, in the case, romantic relationship with your partner. And the really interesting thing is emotional contagion is actually more contagious when it's negative. Wow. I mean, I'm just sitting here just like absorbing everything that you're saying, just like a sponge. You've shared so many amazing nuggets so far in such a great framework. So I want to just take a moment to recap some of that. So I love how you gave us a definition of self-care that included different components. So the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, I think it's just really helpful for anyone who's starting to look at their self-care to have a framework and to break it down into some of those components can be a really Really helpful guide for us to really look at, okay, how am I navigating or managing my self-care in the physical realm, the mental realm, the emotional realm, yes. the spiritual realm, realm. And then as you were saying, also then noticing in those times of distress, which realm is being affected and how. Absolutely. So I think that's really helpful to then move into that area of self-regulation and co-regulation. And then also the idea that you brought up that in the system-based processes sees that as individuals, we are not living in a vacuum. And that's why yes. I'm so excited to have you here because our relationships play such a large part in our lives. And when there is distress or discord in our relationships, again, whether that's a romantic relationship a relationship with a friend, a family member, in any of our relationships, honestly, that can really disrupt our own sense of well-being and self-care mm -hmm. as well. So I really loved that point. And then this whole idea of the emotional contagion, that's really powerful as well. And, and I actually am not familiar with that phrase and that term. So like I said, I'm just absorbing this information that you're giving us too. So thank you. And please share more now about what you were going into about that, those negative emotions actually more strongly influence. that. Yeah. So that is really interesting, uh, but not surprising when you think of different disciplines or different domains, like I'm thinking about marketing, for instance, 
and, and the ways in which different marketing strategies can really influence the target audience based on just really strong, intensely felt emotions. And that can be positive. We can have really strong, intensely felt positive emotions, but just think back to some of our maybe less desirable experiences of our past and how vivid and how salient those thoughts and, and, and emotions and mood, how it changes just going back. And so we see some of this, and that's just an example in marketing. But for me, when I think about this, I think it's interesting how powerful our intensely felt emotions can be transferred to our partners, romantic partners in other types of relationships. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what it's bringing to mind for me is I talk a lot about when I'm, when I'm teaching meditation and mind body practices, I talk a lot about the negativity bias that we have that, you know, in our, which is evolutionarily necessary, you know, when we were back in our hunter gatherer days, we needed to remember when we were out hunting where we saw that tiger. And so that Mm -hmm. is our negativity bias, where our brain as a survival mechanism keeps those negative thoughts, negative images, negative memories at the forefront of your brain to protect you as a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so you have to actually intentionally cultivate those positive memories, positive emotions, positive feelings within you to counteract that. Because for most of us in our modern day and age, there isn't actually that tiger. Now, when I'm sharing Mm -hmm. that in terms of when I'm teaching meditation and mind-body practices, I'm generally speaking on a more individual level. So it's really interesting for me to also hear how this then affects those around us and our relationships around us as you're starting to share as well. When you say that, I think about there's a a chapter in my book where I talk about communication and specifically I have this guided imagery uh, task where we're talking about exactly what you're referencing, that hyper arousal state that we find ourselves in when we are either experiencing or recalling distressful experiences. And it is uh, talking to your loving partner while fighting the bear. And so in it, it's said in a, in a very funny way, in an extreme way, just to highlight how we take, you know, in these moments, opportunities to have very nuanced conversations with our partner while we are, you know, so to speak, fighting the bear, where we're in that hyper arousal state, where we're having these negative thoughts, we're in a moment where we perceive impending threat, to your point, the tiger, right? But not literally in front of you, but your body, you can't tell your body still reacts in that way, your body and your nervous system still reacts in that way. Absolutely. And so just imagine the challenges with communicating or attempting to co-regulate when you are actively in that hyper arousal state and then add the piece of contagion and how that then affects the moment when you're in, in this case, communicating with your partner. So self-regulation is key because it's important to know when you are dysregulated, when you are experiencing distress in the moment. And it's important to know that so that you can identify what the needs are. Where is it coming from? What just got triggered? You know, we get really curious. And sometimes it's hard to figure that out because our body's already neurosensing threat in the environment. Sometimes it might just be the tone that your partner used. It could be the language. Maybe it was just, um, we need to talk. And it took you back to the last time you heard those words. And we have all of these latent memories, if you will, when we are interacting, engaging our partners, and we're not always aware of what's negative 
for us. And so when those get activated in the moment, it may just bypass our cognition, but our body is physically already in that hyperarousal state. You know, maybe we're starting to sweat or our heart rate's increasing or however you respond in those moments. And so getting curious about distress right now, I'm feeling uncomfortable in the pit of my stomach right now. I'm sweating a little bit more. I feel a heaviness on my chest or on my shoulders. Getting curious about your body and then physiology, what's happening is a great place to start to determine, do I need to self-regulate? Do I need to care for myself right now? Where did that come from? What are my needs and what do I need to do to care for myself? Is it emotional in nature? Is it physical? Sometimes we have physical conditions that then trigger emotional and that hyper arousal, a negative emotional states that can come up. So figuring out, is it an emotional need? Is it a physical need? Is it a spiritual need that you need to attend to? And then implement strategies that are going to help you to self-regulate so that you can show up as your best self in those moments to then co-regulate with your partner. Sue Johnson for EFT would call it turning towards one another. Dr. John and Julie Gottman for Gottman Method for Couples Counseling, another evidence-based approach for couples counseling would call it making and accepting bids for connection. And so- I love that. And I want to point out also that those triggers can be different for every individual as well. So also starting to recognize what those triggers are for you as an individual. And that I'd be interested to hear your insight on this. So I have a couple of thoughts in my mind. So I'm going to share both of them while they're both on my mind. But one of them is insight on because those triggers may be different for each individual, then what is the role in communicating that to your partner once you realize that Mm -hmm this certain phrase or this tone of voice is a trigger. And then my second part of this question is because when you're already in that moment and in that state of hyperarousal, it may be in that moment, very hard to, because your mind, your mind and your brain is in survival mode at that point. So it may be hard to kind of think clearly about what that next step should be. So how would you suggest to someone to even begin to notice those signs within their body and their emotions that they're starting to enter that hyperarousal state so that then they can come up with a plan for what they will do when they notice them, find themselves in that state again. For example, do you have your clients maybe practice with some sort of body awareness when they're not in that hyperarousal state? How do you approach that with your clients? So two parts to that question there. One is, you know, the first one is communicating your triggers as you notice them with your partner. And then the second thought, how do you advise your clients to start to build that body awareness so that they can recognize when they're in that hyperarousal state and then create a plan to address that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I think the, f- the first piece is going to be identifying when you're in that hyper arousal state. So in my sessions with couples, we do body awareness, but we, we do it with some guided imagery to simulate and really get a sense of what their pattern tends to be when they're in distress. And so again, I use an extreme example so that they can really get creative in the different ways that they may respond on the spectrum when they experience that perceived threat in the moment. But you don't have to do that. Really just paying attention to when you feel discomfort. I like that word, distress and discomfort, because it's not giving it sadness. It's not giving it anger. Everybody's going to describe distress and discomfort differently. And so that uncomfortable feeling that shows up 
when you're driving, when you're talking to your partner, when you show up on the job, when you're just sitting down watching television, it, that uncomfortable feeling in your day-to-day is the first key, I'd say, you know, range of emotions that can come up for an individual. Then follow that discomfort as if it were a trail leading you to the treasure. Really, it is your emotions, really understanding the emotions kind of give us key. And so once you identify the discomfort, that you are in a place of discomfort, figure out where is it coming from? So if you can't cognitively articulate It's coming from this really bad argument we had earlier today, where I got into an argument with my boss. And so I've just been carrying this, then divide it down, sift it down to its most finest element. And so what I like to say, then, if if you can't cognitively articulate, you're not aware, then where do you feel the discomfort physically, quite literally head to toe? Where did it show up first? Is it in the gut, your chest? Is it this pinching in your back? Is it, you know, for some people, they become very narrowly focused on the threat or the discomfort. And some, it's like a haze, it's confusion, it's just a lot of thoughts, maybe it's ruminating. So physically tune in to where you are experiencing that discomfort, or for some that could be challenging. There's, I have a, I have a perspective, there's no wrong door here. Check in with your emotions. Maybe, you know, it's discomfort and you can identify, I feel anxious. And usually when I feel anxious, it's because of, and then fill the blank in. And so you can either cognitively, you're aware, you can articulate, great. And then begin to re-engineer that, go backwards to see where that originated. If you need to do that physically, because you don't have the words to be able to articulate that, then by all means, that's another way to be able to do that, a great way to get started. Or if you have the language of emotion in the moment, then to do that. I don't know why I feel sad, but I'm going to start here. And I'm going to pay attention to when I started to feel sad. Wait a minute. I felt a shift earlier this morning when we got into an argument. And that's when I started to feel this discomfort now that I know is called sadness. I love that you shared that there's no wrong door here and that you gave us three different paths to Mm -hmm. begin to access that. And it's really just raising your awareness and also tuning into which one of those signals resonates with you the most that you're able to recognize and respond to initially to then follow that path, but that there's really no wrong door. And here's three different entry points that Mm -hmm. you've presented us with. Absolutely. And so once you do that, now, you know, now you've demystified, now we've taken the guesswork out of this. And that is, I felt discomfort. Now I know why. And then the important thing is to how do you, your next question, how do you convey that to your partner? Well, if you're in that hyper arousal state, now is not a good time to have these very nuanced conversations with our partner when we're, so to speak, on alert for the tiger, or as I call fighting the bear. And so what do you do then? Well, prevention is really going to be key. So having these conversations before you get to it is important. So being curious, picking up when you are in moments of discomfort or distress throughout the day. Sometimes I encourage people to get a feeling chart, a wheel. You can go on the internet, you can purchase one or however you choose to, but just get used to being able to pinpoint your emotions. Sometimes I hear from individuals that it's difficult to articulate exactly what I'm feeling. And we know that it's a human experience for us to have this wide range of emotional depth and experience, depending on the circumstances. So it's not the lack of emotion. It's just sometimes the lack of the language to articulate that. So carry this feeling will in your chart. Don't have to make it hard. Just when you happen to go in your pocket for gum or 
money, pull it out. Oh, wait a minute. I do have this thing and just pinpoint what am I feeling right now? So if you have to start there, that's a great place to start. And then as you get to know yourself emotionally, physically, and these ways, then you can convey to your partner in conversation outside of moments of distress. This is how I tend to respond. So that's a preventative intervention. But what do you do in the moments when you're escalated? Right now, that may not be the ideal time to have a conversation. Quite literally, think about it. If you were to fight a bear, if you were to fight a tiger, or you were on alert simply, it's not time to do anything else but to stand guard, to protect yourself, right? And in this case, as we're talking about talking to your loving partner, there is a disconnect. It's not a conducive state of just how your nervous system is in that moment to be conducive to effective communication. Absolutely. And so being able to have the conversation very briefly that can we come back to this issue? Because right now I recognize I am feeling, you know, whatever the words that you want to do, I feel, I feel anxious right now. And it's not that you're making me anxious, right? Because we want to pay attention to the words we're using, even in those moments. And I'm not saying that you're the one who's doing this, but I'm just saying that right now I feel anxious. You're owning this. This is your emotion. And so I need a moment to calm down so that we can come back to one another. There was, I'm sharing this, I'm thinking of an, an intervention in Imago therapy, Imago theory, uh, intentional dialogue. And there are some specific steps that I like to use with couples that give them some language when they're wanting to calibrate sometimes the, the difficult conversations. And so, but anyway, you don't have to have that. You essentially can just know, identify, and then have the language to share with your partner. I love this. Thank you so much, Angel. This has just been such a powerful conversation. Our relationships are a large part of all of our lives. I always say, no matter how much of an introvert you are, relationship is still a big part of your life because as humans, we are relational beings. And so you've given us such an excellent framework to start to look at our intrapersonal relationship with ourself and self-regulation and having that awareness on cognitive, physical, and emotional feeling realm. And how that plays a role in our interpersonal dynamics with co-regulating with our partner or loved one. And so this has just been such a powerful conversation. I would love for you to share if someone is interested in learning more about your work, where can they find you? And I know that you have a book that you've been working on as well that I'm sure is just full of so much more additional helpful information. So if you could share more about that as well. Yes, it is. So you mentioned at the beginning um, that I work a lot with couples where there's been betrayal, infidelity, affair, cheating, you use the word, the spectrum. And so in in working with couples, I had seen somewhat of a, a, a pattern of approach that I find to be very helpful for couples who are choosing to reconcile their relationship. And so for those couples, I wanted to have, and I, and I, a lot of times I'd get from couples, is there a book? Are there books out there? And there are books out there, but I I find that there was some difficulty in recommending books that provide the way in which we approach 
the work of reconciling a relationship after the affair. And so I, I pull from a few different other modalities and am adding experience to what I have found to be helpful for couples who choose to reconcile after an affair, mend their relationship. And so I wrote the book, Every Day I Do, How to Rewrite Your Vows After an Affair. And so there are some very practical strategies. Um, I give people a landscape, if you will, of this is where you are. You, if you're going to this new land and you're unfamiliar with what in front of you. And so I wanted to give something like that to couples starting out. You're here. This is what's available. And if you choose to mend your relationship, these are the ways in which you may do so. That's due out in the summer. I've got a course coming out to pair with that as well. And a journal that's coming out with the book also for deeper reflection. So um, those things are due out in the summer. The course will be out in the next few weeks. If you're interested in more information, you want to contact me. If you have questions, feel free to reach me uh, at www.angelmarriageandfamily.com. Facebook, same at Angel Marriage and Family and the same for Instagram. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing more about these valuable and practical resources that you have put together for couples. And I will be including all of those links in the show notes below. Thanks again for joining us today, Angel. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review, and share this episode with someone you know. And remember, your free guide, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life, is waiting for you at radiantlivinginstitute.com. Download it today.